This is Ballin' with the Bison, your home for everything you need to know about Bucknell women's basketball. Shovel out, Allie Johnson from 30 feet. Oh, my! On the drive, shot blocked by Cap. And the ball game is over. The Bucknell Bison hang on for a humongous victory. Rebound, Tessa Brugler puts it on the floor once, goes up, bucket good, and the foul. Three-point play coming up for Tessa Brugler. Three seconds left, the Bucknell Bison are Patriot League champions in the 2019-2020 season. And now, here's your host, Joe Basile. And welcome into this week's episode of Falling with the Bison. I am Joe Basile, host of this show, radio play-by-play voice for Bucknell women's basketball, and week number two of this season is now upon us. What a first week it was for Bucknell, only one game going on the road at the number 17 team in the country, Ohio State. It was a 71-48 win for the Buckeyes, but obviously, you know, whenever it comes to game one of this season against a tough opponent, uh, there's a lot of questions that need answers and a lot of answers that you kind of find um, in the course of a game like that. And, you know, looking at the Bison coming in and, and the question marks that surrounded this season with the youth and and relative inexperience, you know, not even knowing necessarily what the starting five was going to be uh, going into that game. Um I thought that, you know, it was an encouraging start to the season. Um, On the way out of Value City Arena in Columbus on Wednesday night, you know, just kind of in the bowels uh, underneath the stands, ran into Trevor Woodruff. And uh, and he just kind of jokingly asked me because I was I was broadcasting from kind of a high vantage point up on the concourse. And he said, so how did it look from up there? Um. And I said to him, honestly, I felt like it was about the best case scenario for what that game could have been. Um, I mean, obviously, you go into it and you look at that matchup with Ohio State, uh, especially with the Buckeyes missing one of their best players in Madison Green out for the year with an injury. That news came down the day before on Tuesday night. But you you went into that game and and, and you kind of look at it and you dissect it and you go, okay, well, look, if everything goes right, there's a chance to be in position to win. I mean, obviously, you're going up against a team in Ohio State that has some very experienced guards, some really incredibly talented guards as well. Taylor Mikesell, J.C. Sheldon, both played very well. Um, and yet Bucknell, especially in the first half, was right there with them and went toe-to-toe with Ohio State for the first 25 minutes of the game and then eventually the Buckeyes' experience and their uh, Big Ten pedigree really helped them to to kind of pull away and close out what, you know, eventually you look at the scoreboard and it was a 23-point loss, but in all actuality, that game was a lot closer than what the final score says of 71-48, to Bucknell had a lead for a little bit in the second. At halftime, it was only a four-point game, 28-24. to And, you know, against a Buckeyes team that last year averaged 80 points per game, 
to hold them to 28 in the first half and just eight points in the second quarter, um, I think is a great sign for the potential of what this team can do this year. Taylor O'Brien, we knew she was going to have to be the leader offensively, and she was. 17 points, four rebounds, a couple of assists. Just a, a really strong game for her. And in talking with some Ohio State people after the game, they were very impressed by Taylor O'Brien and, and had a lot of very positive things to say about uh, about her game. Uh, I thought Cecilia Collins, eight points in her collegiate debut, getting the start, looked really good. Maybe a little shaky early on, but especially in the fourth quarter where she scored six out of her eight points, got comfortable and looked very confident on her drives to the basket. Uh, we saw a lot of Remy Sisselman, another freshman for Bucknell, and uh, only took two shots, hit one, including a three that was the first points of the year for Bucknell, uh, but she also grabbed five rebounds. You saw seven boards to lead the team from Emma Schaefer, and overall, Bucknell and Ohio State were even in rebounding. Both teams grabbed 36 rebounds in that game. It was, um, I think, intentional on both sides. It didn't look like Ohio State for most of the game was... Um, particularly intent on crashing the offensive glass and neither was Bucknell it was more like a Ohio State likes to get out and run let's get back on defense and make sure we're set to try to slow them down and that was a a, a fairly effective strategy um, for most of that first half especially and again the second half things just kind of ended up slipping away Ohio State performed as you know you would expect the number 17 team in the country uh, to perform, but um, in reflecting back on that game over the last few days, I keep going back to that second quarter uh, when Bucknell outscored Ohio State uh, 10-8. to There was a point in time where I think uh, the Buckeyes missed 11 straight field goals. It was an incredible defensive performance in that second quarter, and, you know, when this team over the last two years has been at its best... That's what they do to teams. Grind them into submission with the defense. And the missed opportunity for Bucknell was that they only scored 10 points themselves in the second quarter and wasn't necessarily able to capitalize on that strong defensive run more than they were able to. But I think that that's something that, in time, will improve. Uh, Ohio State's a very long team. There were some mistakes trying to be too perfect with passes to keep them away from the Buckeyes, you know, shooting the passing lanes. And they were just out of the reach or, or just off of fingertips or they were caught, but they weren't really caught cleanly. So the player who received the pass wasn't in the best position to to keep moving forward with the player, you know, to find that shot. There were some traveling violations. All of these things, you know, that added up to 20 turnovers, um, none of the mistakes that the Bison made in this first game are fatal. I, I don't think there's nothing that went wrong that isn't correctable. And honestly, you can't just attribute to, hey, it's the first game with a really young team that's, you know, going up against really a top-notch opponent um, in this entire nation. Forget, you know, the, the region, the East, just anything. I mean, Ohio State is a very talented team that's going to compete for a Big Ten championship this year. 
and frankly, I thought that, you know, the way that the team performed um, was admirable and, and kind of moving forward, it, it, kind of confidence inspiring that, all right, this is going to be a team that is ready for whatever challenge gets thrown its way because they showed that they weren't intimidated by going to Ohio State and playing the Buckeyes. They didn't back down from a challenge. They fought hard. They went toe-to-toe, and uh, I think that that kind of confidence is is something that's going to be great for this team moving forward. I, I think the biggest question mark, and this kind of came up in the second half when Taylor O'Brien picked up her fourth foul, is with O'Brien at 17 points and then Cecilia Collins obviously coming up with eight, you're looking for that secondary scoring and wondering where that's going to come from. And there's certainly a couple of different players who I think are are capable of providing that on a consistent basis. But over the last several years, Bucknell has just been a very well-balanced team. There hasn't been one player that everything goes through. There's two, three, four, five different scoring options legitimately any time down the court. And at least right now, those secondary options you know, behind, I think Taylor O'Brien is, is kind of the the primary scorer, at least the way that the primary scorer, at least the way things worked out last Wednesday. It'll be interesting to see, you know, who it is that kind of steps up and emerges. I think Cecilia Collins certainly could be a player who does that. We've seen Marley Walls with the ability to score throughout her career. Uh, you know, maybe it's someone from the junior class, Ty Johnson, Emma Schaefer, Carly Kershaw, maybe it's another freshman or a sophomore stepping up. You never know. But you're looking to see that happen. And I think when, not if, but when that eventually manifests itself in this team, I think that that, that's going to be another key moving forward for this team this year. One of the players that is taking on a much bigger role on Bucknell this year is junior forward Carly Kershaw. Now, she didn't start last Wednesday against Ohio State, but did play 20 minutes off the bench, scored five points, grabbed four rebounds, but did pick up four fouls. We had a chance to catch up with Carly before the season at Bucknell Media Day. We had a chance to to catch up with Carly and talk about just going into her junior season and the new role that she's facing on this team. Coming into junior season and you're now the the veteran player down in the post, getting ready for a much bigger role. Or are you? I don't want to say nervous about you know kind of the the extra responsibility, but you know how do you how do you make sure that you're in the right headspace to to kind of start the season and and do all the things that that you're going to need to do. Well, first of all, I've had some really great role models in the past. I had Ellie Mack, you know, Tessa Brugler, Adam Seppi, who have all you know done a great job showing me what good leadership looks like and what playing a big role in the post looks like as well. So that makes me feel assured in the fact that, you know, I also know I still have their support. I have my team support behind me, which is a big deal to me. And um, I'm just really excited. Of course, everybody's nervous for the first game. Everybody gets the butterflies. Uh, it will just be an adaptation to our new style as well. I think it's going to be a big deal because we do have a lot of people who are filling new roles. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just going to be an adjustment and it's going to be give and take every single game, what works, what doesn't, and we'll work it out as we go. 
you talk about the new style. What can we expect that's going to be a little bit different this year? Yeah, I mean, we're playing basically a four out one in. Um, would be more traditional where as we've always played a three, two, more so. And so, you know, with that style, we see a lot more driving. We are still doing quite a bit of pick and roll, which we've done a lot in the past, obviously. Um, other than that, I think we're going to be a lot faster with who we have just because we are smaller. Mm-hmm and um, all of us can run who we want to run we want to run the floor and so that's going to be a big change i know we haven't been runners as much we've always slowed it down and run more traditional offense so that's going to be a shift are you you excited to kind of play a little bit more of a a run and gun style uh for sure that's like my favorite style in high school my coaches were always like you have to get at least one fast break layup game and that's definitely something that I want to do here as long as the rebounds to care of course first <laughs> as long as somebody gets the rebound then we're good to go I, I was gonna say uh, you know for for you kind of being you know now the the one post in in that four one uh, kind of alignment to how does that change what you're gonna have to do offensively and and at least what you're going to be asked to to do offensively yeah I mean it's definitely more um, dependency for me on scoring post points. Obviously, last year it was pretty much Tessa was our biggest scorer, obviously, and then me and Seth filled in though, um, where we both we all had the ability to score. And now we're depending a lot more on paint points with driving and then with the one post. Yeah. So that's definitely a bit of a change, but we are still really emphasizing getting the ball in and going in and out because obviously that's the best offense we can play. And then of of course on the defensive side of things, how does how does you know just the, the different personnel on the floor change up what you have to do on that defensive side and, and what you're going to be asked to do in, in terms of guarding the post and trying to deny the ball there. Obviously, it's a little bit easier when you've got kind of two posts down there to, to execute on some of those principles. But now, uh, how does how does that kind of change up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it changes quite a bit. Uh, last year, because I was playing a four, I was normally playing somebody quicker, more similar size-wise. Now I'm going to be playing a bigger girl. Mm-hmm. And also, um, this year, like, I won't switch at all. You know, last year, sometimes we would play a four where I... I would have the opportunity to even end up on the point guard. That's not going to happen this year, you know. So it's kind of um, a contrast where um, I'm staying on the five just because we don't have the size. If somebody switched with me, we just don't have the size to cover that person. So I'm just going to be playing a lot more physical defense and a lot less, you know, running and, you know, guarding the drive or whatever. Um, I'll be just getting really physical with the post and that's going to be a contrast and same with rebounding you know it's going to be a bigger role for me of course and and, you know obviously everyone is is always working on little things around their game what what have you been working on since you know the end of last season and and where do you feel like you know you've made some strides kind of within your own game heading into this year yeah I mean just like one of the biggest things is my outside shot. Obviously, most of my scoring has always been down inside, which is where I've always felt the most comfortable. I always tell a story in high school. Um, I scored 1,500 points in one three my whole career. Um, so, and people are like, why, why didn't you shoot outside? And I'm like, well, no one forced me to. So, you know, in the college game, it's a little bit more forced. That's something that I've really been working on and um, looking to develop, you know, using that 15-footer. Mm-hmm opens up more drives for me, makes everything better. 
so we might see a couple of three-point attempts or if you do that is coach Woodruff just going to be like Carly what are you doing like is is there is there a trust there yet to say like all right you know what we've seen bigs be able to shoot threes at, at Bucknell you mentioned Ellie Mack before it was a great three-point shooter like you know are, are you there yet where you kind of have that green light in the game you know, at the 15-foot range, I'm there. At the three-pointer, I think it's going to be more of a last-second shot clock, wide-open type deal. Well, all you got to do then is hit a couple of those, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just like, all right, fine. You can, <laughs> you can shoot. We'll play a five-out, none in, just to heck with rebounds, and we'll just, yeah, got it, awesome. Uh, so, you know, when when you look at that, obviously now also being, being a junior and, and, you know, coming through with, with Emma Schaefer and Ty Johnson, now the three of you, are kind of in that leadership position of, of being in the upper class. Like, how have you tried to maybe, you know, take on more of that role, obviously with the void of the graduations in the last couple of years, you know, heading into this season? I think a big thing is with the voice. Um, we had Tessa and Seppi were really our voice last year on the court. You know, if you listen to anything, they're who you can hear. <laughs> And um, that role has been something that I've really been trying to fill and working to fill. And, you know, just being a leader off the court and setting expectations for, you know, who we want to be and who we want to be represented as, which has been a longstanding tradition for us here. In your opinion, and ask this of, of Coach Woodruff as well, but, you know, what does the team need to do this year? I mean, almost can kind of throw the, the non-conference end of things out the window. So in the Patriot League, what is it the team really needs to do this year to, to have another successful season and, you know, be back in the conversation to, to compete for the league championship? Well, I think our biggest competition this year is going to be Boston and Lehigh just because they are returning so many people. Um, I think the biggest deal for us is going to be finding our flow as a team just because we are so new and we are so young. It's developing that comfort on the court and you know, when you step on the college court, it is, it's a speed up from high school. It's speed up from AEU. And so really getting us up to speed on that style of play. Thank you so much to Carly Kershaw for joining us this week on Ballin' with the Bison. Let's take a look around the Patriot League and all the action from the opening week and a look ahead at what's coming up this next week in the league. Last Tuesday on opening night across college basketball, there were five teams that were all in action as Loyola, Maryland fell to Niagara 81-71 to in the first game of the year. That was an afternoon game on Tuesday. American lost to George Washington by 11. Boston University just blew out UMass Lowell 76-47. Navy played Georgetown close but fell 73-62. And Lehigh defeated East Stroudsburg Division II school. 82-35. On Wednesday night, outside of Bucknell's game with Ohio State, Cornell beat Colgate 53-34, and Holy Cross fell to Northeastern 71-45. Over the weekend, not going to run down every single game, but Lafayette played Pitt pretty tough. 72-63 was the final in favor of the Panthers, but you know Lafayette hanging tough with a Power 5 team, even though Pittsburgh is not typically a, a team that is among the elites in the ACC. Lehigh scored a win over St. Peter's University, 84-68, to and American had just a phenomenal weekend, defeating Marist in Poughkeepsie, 59-52, to 
And then coming back on Saturday, the very next day, and beating Vermont 68-61. to Those are two really good mid-major wins for American. And, you know, obviously their opening night, they lose by 11 to George Washington on the road, but then come back with a road and neutral site win over two teams that are usually top 25 mid-major teams. Uh, a very impressive week for American and Jade Edwards as a result, was named Patriot League Player of the Week for her help. Colgate picked up its first win of the season on Saturday, 61-52 over UMBC. Army finally played a game after they had uh, their opening night game canceled because of COVID issues with their opponent, Immaculata University. They finally played on Saturday and lost 75-55 to the Manhattan Jaspers. On Sunday, there were three games. Princeton beat Boston University 69-40. to So BU, after an impressive win against UMass Lowell, uh, falls to a, a really, really good Princeton team uh, by 29. That was in Princeton on Sunday. Duquesne beat Lafayette 60-47, to but the Leopards on the road in Pittsburgh hanging tough against a, a pretty solid A-10 opponent. And then in overtime, the Loyola Maryland Greyhounds picked up their first win of the season over Bucknell's next opponent, Fairleigh Dickinson, 68-59 to down at Reeds Arena in Baltimore. Let's talk about that game. Bucknell against Fairleigh Dickinson. FDU comes into this matchup now 0-2 on its season. And this is a team that won 16 games a year ago. This was a, a really good team in the Northeast Conference last year. However, they lost two of their best players last season to transfers. Maria Roters and Lindsey Mack were two real standouts for FDU that are no longer with the program. And so it's a, a much different look for Fairleigh Dickinson than it was last year. As, again, not only were they good last year, but good the year before that, still alive in the Northeast Conference Tournament when things were eventually canceled due to COVID. They've been led so far this year by Dahomey Forges, who's a transfer from Robert Morris University, averaging 23.5 points per game. In game one of the season, she put up 26 against St. John's and followed that up with 21 against Loyola on Sunday. Madison Stanley is a veteran post player for Fairleigh Dickinson. She's averaging 5.5 points a game and 7 rebounds, but she was the leading scorer last year at 13.5 points per game for Fairleigh Dickinson. And she was a first-team all-conference selection for the Knights last season as well. Should be an interesting matchup on Wednesday night. It's a 7 p.m. tip inside Stratus Arena in Hackensack, New Jersey. Pull up the pregame show starting at 6.45 on VBU Streaming and the Varsity Network app. And also then the game coverage 90.5 WVBU in Lewisburg and online at those two aforementioned places. VBU Streaming and... Uh, on the Varsity Network app from Learfield. Bucknell then, no rest for the weary, back in action on Saturday, taking on the Temple Owls at McGonagall Hall down in Philadelphia. And I'm really interested to see exactly what we get from this contest. I think more than anything, if you're to look at the first three games of this season, I think this Temple matchup is going to be the real litmus test about where is this team Right now, and again, it's early, they're young, there's a lot of seasons still to go, and a lot of non-conference season left just to 
continue to improve and sharpen and tinker around the edges. But I, I'm interested in this Temple matchup because two years ago at Soika Pavilion, it was a very close game, won by Temple. And that was kind of that turning point of the season for Bucknell because it was after that game that the team went down to Puerto Rico over Thanksgiving and just the switch flip defensively, you saw that complete buy-in and they looked like a completely different team from the next game on. They beat Howard, they beat Cincinnati and went on a crazy run to the end of the season, which obviously because of COVID was not able to be fully finished. But I'm interested in this Temple game because the Owls are a much different team than the team that came into Soika Pavilion two years ago. Uh, most of their roster are freshmen and sophomores. It's a very young team for Tanya Cardoza. It's a very young team for Bucknell. And so I think from that regard, it's going to be a really fun and really interesting matchup down at McGonagall Hall, which is just this great old venue on North Broad Street in Philadelphia. It's going to be a ton of fun. That's a 2 p.m. tip. Again, pregame coverage starts 15 minutes before at the aforementioned places, WVBU, Varsity Network app. It should be a fun week this week, and really looking forward to seeing all the action. A couple other games just to keep an eye on around the Patriot League. Uh, if you're listening to this the night that it comes out on Tuesday, uh, Lehigh tonight is actually going to be at Seton Hall at 7 o'clock. That's going to be the toughest challenge for Lehigh uh, to start the season so far, and so kind of I'll be interested to see exactly where Lehigh is elsewhere rest of the week. On Wednesday, Boston University hosts Boston College. American is on the road at Minnesota. Uh, that should be uh, an interesting matchup for both of those two teams as Boston U looking to bounce back from their loss and uh, score a win over an ACC team. And then American having to go on the road against a, a quality Minnesota team, although Minnesota is kind of that middle to second half of the Big Ten. And for that reason without even really doing too much research into it, I think that's a winnable game for American. Um, and obviously, if they can knock off Minnesota, that would be a, a huge win for this conference. On Thursday, Army host Quinnipiac, Lafayette taking on Columbia. Columbia just beat Clemson a couple of days ago. So again, a, a tough challenge for Lafayette out of the gate is the Leopards um, playing some tough teams. On Saturday, Navy host Vermont Loyola is on the road at Hofstra. And then on Sunday, I think, uh, again, it's, it's another interesting matchup that Boston University has uh, with the University of Maine coming down to Case Gym. But again, Bucknell's two games Wednesday night at Fairleigh Dickinson, Saturday afternoon at Temple. We'll have those for you on the Bison Sports Network and uh, just so excited to get two games in this week. It, it, the anticipation for Wednesday night... Uh, you know, since last Wednesday has just been very high, you know, that that rhythm of the basketball season where it's a game and then a couple days and then another game. And it's just so nice to be back to that after the strangeness and the uh, the unusuality. That's not a word. The unusualness that was last season. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I suspect uh, all the coaches and players uh, feel the same as well to be back into the grind of the season. So that wraps things up for us this week on Ballin' with the Bison. Thanks so much to Carly Kershaw for joining us, and thank you for joining us as well. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. I'm your host, Joe Vasile. Thanks for listening.